It's because they have been on an org chart, moved around like a pawn and put into a position and you should be grateful that you still have a job. But that job might not be the one that you interviewed for and were so excited about because it fed your soul and how you're wired to work. Now you're being asked to do these things that are an energy drain for you. How do you grow and scale your business while avoiding entrepreneur poverty? Hi, I'm Buzz and I've spent over 20 years marketing for entrepreneurs just like you. I've learned there's no one secret to success, but a series of strategies to help business owners scale at will. On this podcast, we uncover invaluable insights that successful entrepreneurs and industry experts use to profitably scale businesses. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. There are three main ingredients to any successful business, people, processes, and the product or service they provide. I think that people are the keystone of all three because without great people, you cannot build a great company. But it seems like fixing people problems takes an enormous amount of time and money. I know I have had my challenges with finding and retaining the best in the industry. Most small businesses do as we compete against enterprise behemoths. So the question we are going to answer today is how to overcome the challenges of recruiting and retaining the optimum team. To help me tackle the subject is my friend Rhonda Robinson, who is a talent optimization strategist. Say that five times real fast. She is a certified professional in talent development and helps companies align their people strategy with their business strategy to maximize and retain employees. Her approach blends neuroscience with the art of performance improvement. She is also a keynote speaker featured on NBC, CBS, Fox, USA Today, and many more. Rhonda's mission is to infuse more humanity into the workplace. So welcome to the show, Rhonda. Thank you, Michael. Yes, talent optimization is all the buzz today. So it's good to be on a buzzworthy podcast to talk about it. <laughs> I like, I, I see what you did there. I see what you did. That was very good. Yes, I, I agree. I think that this whole transition between the traditional workplace and remote working and now hybrid between the two. I also feel like there was this push of the nomad employee even before COVID. So people who had it figured out before COVID, I think are in the same boat as the rest of us who hadn't figured it out before COVID and we're all figuring out a new problem. That brings me to my first question, which is why are business owners constantly struggling with talent optimization? The problem is that we really haven't done a good job historically of understanding people and unlocking the code to people because since even before the industrial age, it's been such a hierarchical environment. The bosses run everything and you do what you're told because people had to. They only could work at the local factory or wherever they could walk to in a day or a couple of hours to find a job and they were dependent on that for survival. And as you just kind of alluded to, as our workplace has evolved, those constraints have started to crack down what we've historically been conditioned to tolerate in the workplace. People now have social media so they can complain about their employers. They can pick up and move. They can fly to a location. They can work remotely. 
And so tolerating what has just been how it's always been done is no longer in play. And employers haven't had to figure it out because employees were tolerating how it's always been done. So you're, what you're saying is that it is now an employer's employee's market. It is. It really is. And it's no different than if we all worked in an office before and uh-huh. you just mentioned it, some people figured out how to do remote work prior to COVID. Well, COVID made almost everybody work remotely. So now we've got employees market. And for those employers who figured out who cracked the code on people before this, they're, they're doing swimmingly well. In fact, those who do talent optimization are outpacing their competitors by double digits. Wow. So what do you mean by outpacing them? What what metric are we looking at there? So all things that we measure business on, you know, companies create a business oh, so, strategy. So revenue, profits, efficiency. Efficiency, yes. Oh, wow. That's impressive. It is. Because you start with a business strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And all employers put an enormous amount of time, effort, energy, and precision into getting their business strategy as right as possible. Mm -hmm. Why did they do that? Because you're looking for business results on the outcome side. Mm -hmm. And you said this beautifully at the beginning of the show. It's the people in the middle who get it done, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) I totally agree. I feel like I got a jump start on it because I reorganized my business at the end of 2018 and we went 100% remote at the beginning of 2019. Mm -hmm. So I had about 15 months of practice before COVID forced everybody else to do it. I found myself very lucky (laughs) at that point because I was like, wow, if I was still in a brick and mortar, we had a 13,000 square foot facility in 2018. 22 employees. I could not imagine what that would have looked like in my life had we been still in that facility, everybody still wanting to get to the office because everything was in the office. We were not set up to remote work at all. Mm -hmm. And it takes time. I think that people don't realize how much technology it takes to have remote workers. They just think, oh yeah, well, everything's in the cloud. Yes, everything's in the cloud and clouds move around (laughs) and they disappear. (laughs) Like, it's just, you have to get what works for you because what works for, say, a marketing firm versus a legal firm are completely different. They have different restrictions on where they can put their information. They have different uh, needs for their information, right? Their communication is different. Um, that whole nine yards, I, you know, we shoot, we have like three different communication modes in our company, chat, email, and phone. And that's so that when people are not in front of their computer, they can still keep balls rolling by just answering a question or two. But that takes time. I think that it's, it's something that leaders are struggling with. And maybe you could touch on how leaders should be thinking about talent strategy. So talent strategy has been a bit elusive because we haven't had good tools to help support talent optimization and engaging employees in a way that each employee wants to be engaged. It's been sort of a carte blanche, apply this to everyone approach (laughs) or to certain teams, but not down to the individual level. With decades of behavioral neuroscience studies, And with validation of applying behavioral neuroscience in the workplace layered on top of technology, there are now tools 
that can very quickly give a talent strategy that aligns with the business strategy. And you can Mm. do it within minutes because Mm. the machine does the work for you. It collates all of this data. What's your business strategy? What are your five or six priorities that need to be done in the next six to 12 months? Then you look at Mm -hmm. the behavioral styles of who is on your team. How are they wired to do their best work? Are they creative and like a lot of variety and communicate liberally? Or is your team member like process and predictable work and likes to work alone, you know, doesn't really crave that social interaction in the workplace? You need to know how your team dynamics show up so that you can do the correct communication style for Mm -hmm. those individuals, Right. offer a cadence of work that's appropriate for their behavioral style. But if it doesn't match against your business priorities, you need to make some adjustments, either stretch those individuals into those roles, Mm -hmm. or you need to shuffle people around and find someone who's wired for the type of work that you need to get done. I'll give you an example. I'm sure you probably have examples of your own employees as well. But I was recently talking to someone that I used to work with, and she's now leading a team of people. And she inherited a woman on her team that she struggles with in this role. She keeps coming back saying, well, I don't quite understand what what I'm doing wrong. I'm doing the things that you told me to do. Well, when we peeled back the onion, this role requires thinking on your feet, problem solving, and a strategic mindset. And we get requests all the time. Can you come to a workshop to teach my people how to be strategic? Teach them how to solve (laughs) problems. Well, when we look at her behavioral assessment and the cognitive assessment, She's just not wired for fast problem solving. Everyone can problem solve, Mm -hmm. but there's gradations of how fast you can assimilate new information and apply it. Right. And she's just not wired that way. So we see this all the time in the workplace where people are in the wrong role and it's uncomfortable and unfortunate for everyone involved. The leader's frustrated, the employee's frustrated, and then HR gets involved and she gets a bad name. For, you know, not being able to perform where she is a solid citizen. She just needs a different type of work. I think that's really important to point that out is that, you know, you can have all the skill sets of like the tactical part of a, of a job, but depending on what company you're doing that type of work for can demand different personality types. And like you said, are you a person who can just synthesize things on the spot and just spit you know information in and new information out? Or you do you have to process things? And you need both of those in your business at different places. I definitely agree with that. And shuffling people around, like I think that one of the ones that you see it the most is sales. Yes. You get the best salesperson, right? And they're like, that guy's awesome. He can teach anybody how to do it. If he can do it, he can teach other people to do it. And then they put him in a leadership role. He's not a leader. He's not a teacher. He's a salesperson, right? And his personality is people, 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 but on the consumer side, the people to selling to. He likes that process, not the management process, not the political process of managing people, not the leadership Um, an inspirational process. None of that is good. And so now he's not selling anything and he's not inspiring or teaching anybody else to sell anything versus just leaving him there. And then maybe somebody who's not as good of a seller, but is a better teacher understands the fundamentals, but just doesn't have the personality required or maybe just his ability to overcome objections in a sales call isn't as good as that awesome salesperson, right? That's right. Same job different application. Absolutely. Yes. 
And there's also, I say this all the time in salespeople, that the well-decorated ones love the recognition. And so they don't like to share it so much with their team. That is true. I I was a an assistant manager for, for a guitar center back when I was in my early, early 20s, right before I joined the service. And I was the salesman of the year on, on the guitar floor. And then I kept going up the ladder, right? And when it got to the top, it was that was probably the hardest transition was just not being the guy. Like I'm a different the guy now. I'm yeah. the guy to make all of these people the guy, right? Yeah. Or the person, however you want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Metaphorical guy. All right, everybody. Don't 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 email me with <laughs> that. I didn't say them. All right. So and so, and I probably and I I know I lost that job because of that. Because mm-hmm. eventually me and the operations manager got got toe to toe, and it was my zealot that got in the way of me being a better leader than he was an underminder. And so he was able to undermine me because I was too zealous in my pursuit of being the best. Right. Now with age and experience, <laughs> the young bull <laughs> turns into a wise bull and you don't run run down the hill anymore. You strut down the hill. <laughs> you let other people go ahead of you and let them be bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think that's probably one of the biggest talent strategies for young leaders, right? I do a lot of work with uh, vetrepreneurs. So veterans who have yeah. gone over into the entrepreneur area. They've only led, if they had a leadership role in the, in the military, they've only led in a military sense, which is a lot. I'm sure you could tell everybody how different that is than the private sector, right? And so they have to shift that gear so with that said, what are practical ways to approach this subject without completely overwhelming the leaders we're trying to get into this talent optimization? So the good news is that they're um, going to go back to technologies that are available today that can less than 10 minutes hand deliver to you people instruction manual for everyone on your team. So there's been six decades of behavioral neuroscience that have accumulated in understanding how people are wired, what their triggers are, what makes them lean into work and be repelled by certain conditions at work. There are millions of data points of workers in the workplace and what makes them successful for specific roles. And when you put that all together and you let someone self-select what are my preferences? You can actually, in literally less than 10 minutes, mm-hmm. get an instruction manual on what is the shortcut for Michael to manage Eli mm-hmm. in the workplace. You understand what's their communication style? Mm. What kind of work do they prefer? What are some watchouts? Like, what are their strengths and their caution areas? And then that also gives you superpowers to develop that person. So again, when you match that up against the work that needs to be done, the business strategy, now you know where their areas of strengths are and how can you harness that toward your business goals? How can you be prescriptive in developing them toward those business strategies that you need to accomplish instead of just winging it saying, what do you want to work on? Oh, I think I want to do presentation skills. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Instead, no, we need to put some results on the board. So I need you to pay attention to this over here. Mm -hmm. Let's develop your skills in that area. 
I think definitely starting with the end in mind with any uh, employee. And one of the things that I've done in my strategy is shortened the amount of time between those objectives. So instead of an annual review, we're doing quarterly reviews with quarterly objectives so that there's a sense of urgency to excel at something in a much smaller time frame, which keeps everything top of mind of like, what am I working on? Right. And you mentioned software. Can you tell the audience what that software is again? So there's a number of them that are available out there. What you want to look for, um, the one that we use is Predictive Index. And Predictive Index. Predictive okay. Index, yes. What you want to look for when you're looking for one of these technologies is number one, the most important thing is make sure that it's been validated for the way you want to apply it in the workplace. Okay. So if you're using it to hire the right person for the right role, make sure there's validation studies for that purpose. If you want to use it to help inspire and coach your people to do their best at work, make sure it's validated for that purpose. And yeah. where would they find that on the website uh, if they were doing research on these types of softwares? So if it's not blatantly on the website, it probably doesn't exist. Got it. So just look for the about or maybe go into the footer and see any certifications or case studies or anything like that. Take a look at that. Look at applications. Go ahead and read the reviews and see how people are applying that software. What's the category of software we're talking about here? If somebody wanted to Google and do research on this kind of software. Sure. So there are two buckets that sometimes people get confused. Okay. One is personality assessments. Mm. So personality is different than behavioral styles. And so some talk about behaviors, but they're really personality assessments. When you look at Strength Finders and uh, Myers Briggs and DISC, those are more mm -hmm. personalities. This is how I show up, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, this is the kind of clothes I wear and this is how I do my hair. This is my personality. This is my persona. My persona, yes. When you look at behaviors, this is the internal drivers, those intrinsic things that are motivating you unconsciously or consciously on a daily basis. And when you don't get those needs met, that's why we're starting to see a lot of burnout, mm. dissatisfaction in the workplace. Let me mind if I deviate, not deviate, but okay. go on a tangent for just a moment. Go for it. With all of the reorganizations that are happening in the workplace, this is why so many people are getting unhappy. It's not necessarily that they don't like their new manager, that they don't like the new company. It's because they have been on an org chart, moved around like a pawn and put into a position and you should be grateful that you still have a job. But that job might not be the one that you interviewed for and were so excited about because it fed your soul and how you're wired to work. Right. Now you're being asked to do these things that are an energy drain for you. hundred percent. So that's why talent optimization should be included. Get an NDA in place. If you're going to do a merger and an acquisition, find a talent optimization strategist to be part of the team. Mm -hmm. What size of team are these types of tools good for? Is it for the for the guy or person who is just getting their first employee? Or is it, do we wait for this type of thing once we have accumulated, say, three or five employees? Sure. So, you know, the more data points you have, the better it is. But we typically recommend maxing out a team size at about 10-ish. Mm -hmm. That's usually a functional team size. 
but you can start doing it when you have just one employee. The most important step is to make sure you have the right person for the right role. Right. Yes. Exactly. I mean, that's fit, I think, is what most people, they're so afraid of the right fit. Mm -hmm. You can have the right job, but if the leadership is not a good fit, you're going to suffer emotionally, right? Overall, it's going to drive you out of your mind if you have the wrong fit for your personality type and your, what were you saying? The, the, the second one was application type? The behavioral type. Behavioral type. Thank you. And so you have to have both, mm-hmm. right? You have to have a personality that gets along with the group and the leadership, apparently, you know, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then they had the behavioral type of how we get the work done. And I remember when I had just one or two folks and I really didn't understand any of that. I mean, there was no, this was back in 2005. That seems like so long ago. But back in 2005, you didn't hear about that as much as you do today, right? We, I don't think that Xers were as in tune with emotion and behavioral sciences and stuff as the millennials and Gen Z specifically. And so, you know, it was just like, oh, you know how to do that job. And then I would bring somebody in and then I'd, I would adapt to their style, which then taxed me unknowingly taxed me to a point where once I was then burnt out with that person, I became short and all these other things that I didn't understand. And what was really happening was I subconsciously firing them. I was quietly firing them. <laughs> People are quiet quitting. I was quiet firing. Like You are yes. not in my, my wheelhouse anymore of people I, I enjoy being around. right? And it's my business but it's like I can't get rid of them at that moment because I didn't know what would how to replace people, right? And I think that's another topic we should probably tackle in another time. If anybody listening right now is that person, the old buzz that is stuck there, they're bringing in people just to fill seats and don't have the experience to do what you're talking about. What's the first step they should take? Beyond the the software, what's the first action step they should take in realigning their talent for the best optimization for their business? Yeah, I'm going to go real old school here. Okay. Have a candid conversation. (laughs) Love it. Have a candid conversation. About? One of my all-time favorite books is a book called Radical Candor by Kim Scott. And what I love about this book is people are afraid of candid conversations because they always associate it with negative conversation. Candid conversations is like always coming from a place of caring. So it's like telling your best friend you have spinach in your teeth after lunch, right? You do it because you care. So if this is bothering you so much, then you need to have a candid conversation with yourself about what is really the issue here. And if it's because the other person is draining you, consider the fact that maybe you're not giving them what they need. And so they keep coming back to you for more and it's draining you. That's number one. Then number two, have a candid conversation with the other person and just ask them flat out, where would you like to do more? What would you like to do less of? Because that will bubble up for them, for you, their internal drivers. I'll tell you, you know, through all my corporate life, the one thing that I hated to do the most was expense reports. That was in the past for me. I'm a very creative, driven, 
moving forward type of person and going backwards and doing something that I already spent that money. I already did those things. <laughs> Why do I have to spend time recapping that? Like the best delegation I could do is giving that to someone else to do my expense reports. So if you, Michael, had come to me and say, Rhonda, you know, what would you like to do less of? Oh, expense reports, please. Well, why is that? Oh, I can't stand these repetitive tasks that, you know, just take up my time. I want to build. I want to create. Oh, okay. Well, then what would you like to create more of? What would you like to build more of? Now you're finding their strengths and you can align that to what your business priorities are. You heard Rhonda. It's time to be candid. It's time to be honest. It's time to be open to what your team is looking for so you can retain the best talent possible. Check out Rhonda's links in the show notes. As always, follow a You Are Buzzworthy podcast. Leave us a review. Until next time, this is You Are Buzzworthy. Buzzworthy.